and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. I'm Lindsay Hooper. And I'm Kate Borsay. We're going to bring you right up to speed on a week of women's football which saw records broken. 77,768 fans went to Wembley for England versus Germany, yet it wasn't a happy outing for the Lionesses. They lost 2-1 in that match. We are also going to look ahead as well to a landmark weekend in women's football. In the studio with us today, it's a massive hello to Chelsea defender, Lioness and Olympian Anita Asante, who hasn't got the documentary crew with her today. <laughs> Are you breathing a sigh of relief? You yeah. can do whatever you want exactly. within these domains. Exactly, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> and it's a welcome back from us as well. You were with us, of course, during the Women's World Cup. And I know uh, you've, of course, doing lots of rehab this season with Chelsea as well, Anita. So just tell us how it's all going. You've, you've had a couple of appearances on the bench and you were coming back from that ACL, but now you've got something else to contend with yeah it's unfortunate that I've picked up another injury but I'm dealing with a slight quad injury at the minute and rehab's going really well I'm hoping that I'll be back in the new year you know and it's part and parcel of football you know you, you sometimes you have a good run and everything's going well and even when you feel good you get a little setback it must be so annoying well Chelsea are top of the table so it's all going well there I know so the documentary crew that I mentioned Anita are they following you as well because when you're injured obviously you're going to be separate to the the rest of the team at the moment working on your own I'm guessing and yeah. this this crew have been following you it's for Netflix isn't it for yes the whole year. that's right yeah um, I, I mean they're following the whole team and they're you know trying to get our individual backstories and see what aspects of uh, things we're doing on and off the pitch that they can sort of follow us around and get a better understanding of us as individuals. And obviously when I'm when you're injured, it's easier to maybe follow that journey because, you know, there's a direct path to, yeah. to what I'm doing. But And how long are they with you for? Um, they're going to be here the whole season. Uh, wow, so it's going to be a pretty epic production. Yeah, hopefully they get, you know, <laughs> tons of footage and um, and it's good and exciting and people are going to be interested. Yeah. And, I, and I think they will because... You know, there's a lot of character in this team. But Anita, see, the thing is, you're very smiley, very bright, bubbly. I'm guessing when someone's injured, they're wanting you to be really down. Yeah. <laughs> are, they, are they giving you instructions? Like, be a little bit more miserable. We this is, we counted them here. before, five yeah. injuries that Anita's had. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're all different as well. So they'll get probably aspects of that from all of us in different ways, mm. especially in the injured sort of group at the minute. This is the sort of the way I deal with my injuries. I think it's a quicker mode to get through it and get back is when you're positive and when you just look ahead and you take each day as it comes and, and sort of see the small milestones you make. So that's always been my approach. And I think so far it's kind of worked out for me. So I'll stick with that. Oh, I like that attitude, definitely. Uh, Kate was at Wembley. You managed to get there. I didn't manage to be there in person for this one. No, But you, you were, got to soak up the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, you were busy at Millwall, weren't you? But yeah, I got to soak up the atmosphere there. A huge crowd, as we've mentioned, over 77,000. And what was lovely is I... I think I got there about an hour before the game and already the trains were rammed, like as in in people's armpits, rammed full of fans. And that was lovely to see. There were families. In fact, I got on at London Bridge and at London Bridge, the Jubilee line was full and it stayed full all the way through to Wembley. So that just goes to show how many people were kind of travelling in from outside London. There were groups of kind of friends together. So I saw a couple of times, you know, groups of kind of 20-year-old, 30-year-old fans together all out for the day, which was really nice. So a, a huge mix of fans for the game and I'm really glad everyone showed up pretty much. The thing that I always do when I'm walking down Wembley Way for the FA Cup finals which have got bigger and bigger in attendances as well over the years is I look at the back of the England shirts and see who's the most popular name on the back. I was wondering 
was it white this time as she usurped bronze because of the performance in the summer? Do you know what? It was so cold on Saturday hoops that everyone had their coats on. <laughs> so whereas I saw a lot of front shirt action, I didn't see a lot of back of, <laughs> back of the shirt action and I couldn't really tell from the press box. Uh, but I know we're going to talk more about this. Yeah, the front shirt action we might not talk about, but yeah. <laughs> this is the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media. Well, Saturday night at the home of football's where we'll start as England took on Germany. With the cross in. Oh, it's in the back of the net, Germany Lee. And it's Pop who scores. England continually allow crossing opportunities into the box. Big moment. And again, Nikita Paris is denied from the penalty spot. Straight down the middle from saves, big let off for Germany. England have got to get over this problem from penalty kicks. Good cross in, Ellen White, brilliant finish! Black stays down! Back in the side, Finnegan, and carries on where she left off in the World Cup finals. Scoring goals! Here's Buell on the outside and scores! Germany have won it! Well, Germany struck a late winner to take a 2-1 victory and continue their impressive record against England. Germany dominated the play early on, actually. The first 20 minutes was, well, awful. Alexandra Pop's early header putting them in control. Catherine Hendricks was fortunate not to be shown a red card for a dangerous challenge on England's Beth Mead. Beth did pop up, though, and carry on in the game. Nikita Paris had a first-half penalty saved, but Ellen White came to the rescue and drew things level just before half-time. In the second half, it was a bit more evenly matched, but England caught napping in defence again. Clara Ball's clinical finish past Mary Earps in the 90th minute means that the Lionesses have won now just one of their last seven games. Anita, you would have seen the game. Just give us your impression from a, from a professional player's point of view. How did the side come across to you? Like you said, early on in the game, you felt Germany's dominance. And I think we looked a bit shaky. We looked... Shell-socked quite... shocked a bit, didn't we? Yeah. And or socked. <laughs> Shell-socked. I can't say it. Shell-shocked almost. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the early goal against us didn't help, I think, to calm nerves and, you know, give the, ch- the girls a chance to find their rhythm. Um, you know, they unsettled us early and we didn't seem like we, we knew what to do, how to get back on the same page and just diffuse you know the momentum a little bit and to be honest I didn't think we looked confident at all um, even after the first goal went in you know you, you would hope that that would spur a reaction mm. and mm. that you know if we have a game plan fine they've scored let's get regroup let's yeah. get back to our game plan you know stretch the pitch do whatever we need to do to find balance again and you know drive into the space when it's on and you know, easy balls, but we just seemed flustered and everything was a rush. It actually took the red card that wasn't and the saved penalty, I think, for England to gear change and get into action. But again, their defence really worried me, Anita, and this is obviously your speciality. We know that Phil likes to play out from the back. So does that mean then that this, you know, possible defensive weakness, probable defensive weakness is then exposed? Yeah, of course. You know, obviously, if you're trying to possess out of your own box, you need to be confident on the ball and you need to be able to make good decisions in key areas and not play risky passes. But I think that we just didn't seem like we were sure how to 
build out, to be honest. And mm. and it's not just about the back four. You know, we need players around them to make it easier for them to make decisions, to be secure. I can pop it into the midfield and get it back. And you're already breaking pressurising lines. But we didn't seem to, you know, know exactly where to go. Or if we, everyone felt a bit like, oh, this is a risk. I don't really want that responsibility in case I lose it. And you kind of, you can't have that. So I think that was one of the, the main challenges. I had contrasting emotions as well about the Ellen White goal because it was great to see her score, to be able to do that celeb in front of all of those fans. And she's just come back from injury as well. So it was a really lovely narrative. Mm. But she was clearly offside. And <laughs> from a defending point <laughs> of view, oh, yeah. yeah, from a defender's point of view, if that was your team yeah. and you put yourself in Germany's shoes for a second, then <laughs> you'd have been livid. Oh, absolutely. I would have been, you know, kicking off probably. Um, and I think everyone was wondering if there was you know where's the VAR on that situation Mm. and things like that but again it it, you know makes the point that officiating needs to be better as well at this level with the best teams playing against each other but like we said in 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 play we struggled to build out of our our defensive block Mm. and and defending wise we I think got isolated too often. Well let's hear from Phil Neville first of all Um, he spoke to the press after the match and actually quite refreshingly was very much taking the brunt of the criticism. We can talk about the emotional lows of coming back, sorry, coming down from the emotional highs to feeling, you know, the fatigue and, and everything of, of the World Cup. But for me, that, that when, when you get into November, that, that becomes an excuse. And we're not having any excuses, I don't think, in terms of where we're at, what we want to achieve and where we want to go. And, and it, it starts with me. I've got to take responsibility for those results. I'm the one that picks the team. I'm the one that sets the tactics. I train them. I talk to them. I communicate with them. So ultimately, the book has got to start with me and finish with me, ultimately, because your team always reflects the manager. And at this moment in time, the results aren't good enough, which means that I've not been good enough. He has been very honest there, Anita. I mean, talking about this reflection back onto the World Cup and that there might be a hangover there. Does this not throw into question the the role of a sports psychologist as well within the England camp? I know that you've got teammates who are, who are in the Lionesses squad, but I felt like the, the first few results did definitely scream that. It screamed, we're not over that disappointment. We went there to win in France and we haven't done it. And there seemed to be this little drip feed after. But as Phil said it there, it's November now. And if that is still having an effect, surely that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I don't think it's any harm in using um, other, you know, psychologist or whatever to help the team overcome the tournament and things like that but it's refreshing also to hear him take some responsibility as well well he hasn't and I think and I think it's rare actually a lot of managers don't tend to take the full brunt of responsibility for everything that goes wrong and and the thing is it's now now they're addressing it could we have addressed it earlier I mean we've had many many fixtures up until this point and, and we've also had many, many Phil quotes as well, like <laughs> these players can thank their lucky stars that I'm in charge and um, and all of this as well and about how um, how he would go to the moon and back for his players and about how... Well, he's now said I'd go to my... to have him. He, he's now said I'd go to my grave with these players and their attitudes as part of, of that post-match. I'm not so focused on what he says. I, I, I know that Kate loves to regurgitate all of his quotes. I, no, but I just think it, that it is not helpful to hear a manager not for the side having come off the back of a World Cup defeat and in a fragile state and, and all of the players have come out. Steph Horton's come out 
Ellen White's come out and said, yeah, we were perhaps a little bit more affected by that World Cup defeat than we mm. thought we were. But I'm so not... we know that they're in a fragile state. And so, and, and, and it seems to me that, 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 that up to this point, Phil Level Neville's used his post-match press conferences almost like a job interview, almost like he's selling himself, trying to convince everyone that he is the right man for the job and never really facing up to the criticism. He's probably done that on a couple of occasions. I'm not saying that I'm in complete agreement with what he said across the board because some of the times you think, oh, just think a little bit more before you before you act. But I, I generally think that he hasn't in press conferences got it that bad. Like overall in France, obviously there's been things that he's needed to answer in terms of dipping form. More that concerns me isn't what he's saying in the press conferences because I don't think the players really pay that much attention to what he's saying in that. So it's actually more addressing the tactics on the pitch and the decisions he's making there in terms of these late substitutes, not even bringing Beth England on, who I would argue say has been one of the form players in the WSL at the moment you'll know up close Anita isn't that more of the problem here yeah of course because I think everyone wants to see informed players play and and especially for those players as well who are going to camp like a Beth who's you know recently joined the squad is eager to impress these are great moments and opportunities that I think he could have utilized to actually see those players and and like you're saying about the press conferences and things like that it doesn't really matter because we don't know what he says to the players when no one's watching mm, we don't I know what goes so. on well I hope it's not like the press conference do you mean so <laughs> I can say because I'd be rolling my <laughs> eyes so you know we don't actually know in terms of that but yeah tactically in all those areas I do think obviously we need to scrutinize that and say yeah. can it be better is the personnel he's picking to start games etc the subs who would you have in be there better? I mean I, I mean I, I I saw Emma Hayes at halftime. She popped out of the commentary box to watch the um, offside goal with us. And she said, look, second half, absolutely fine. Bring on Beth England, 60 minutes, away we go. And of course, that never played out. Mm. Who would you have in this side? How would you have done it differently, do you think? Um, no, I would have agreed with her. I, I definitely wanted to see Beth England get on the pitch and, and make an impact. Um, I also potentially would have liked to see Stokes play at left back as well shore up some extra security because yeah. I think she is actually better uh, somewhat defensively. Yeah, and, and also I, I, I have got question marks about Alex Greenwood. She didn't she didn't really seem to to be that ambitious with her play. She and, and and I've had this issue with her for the last couple of games actually. I'm not entirely sure that she's first choice for me in that position either. Well that the free kick that she got I actually think an Alex Greenwood of old, and I don't know. I don't know what has happened in the last twelve months. Whether it's adjusting to a foreign league, mm. also the the weight that comes with that, because Leon are the the bench mark, aren't they, for everyone? Yeah. But she's lost a little edge, I think, lately. Yeah. I mean that that free kick with her with her left foot. She she would have been at least testing the keeper. You think well, you've got to at least get it on target, yeah. and she mm. didn't. And and I was she, a bit disappointed in in yeah. some of her deliveries. I found that she couldn't shut down a cross in the first half either. I thought she looked a bit sort of bewildered. And yeah. then Bronze and, and 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 Greenwood together coming in too narrow, leaving space on the wings for then Germany to exploit. Yeah. Main one I would say as well, mm. Rachel Daly. Yeah, I think Rachel Daly should have been starting that match. Now I know she did come on, yeah, and he seems to use her as this util- utility, utility player yeah. <laughs> who can come into any position. And of course, that's a great asset of hers. But I think she offers so much more than that. Of course, I think that can hurt a player too. Sometimes being a utility player because they don't get to show their best strengths in like one position sometimes. But yeah, I think it, you know a partnership with her and Bronze might have there at least would have been some strength down that right side and nullified the German attack, which came down along that side mm. quite often. 
I think in the midfield, like you said, Nobbs is still coming back from an injury. Do you really need to start her? Does she need to play mm. a lengthy part of the game? And it, for me, it's also about connections, you know. I I noticed as soon as Georgia Stanway came in with Kira Walsh, suddenly she was more positive, receiving the ball in a half turn, looking to play in between the lines a bit more forward because there was an understanding they play week in, week out. And mm. I think relationships are important. Like that a key and interesting mm. Stanway, Stanway came on for Nobs and then it started to sort of click a bit, didn't it? Um, let's talk Germany. Before we go into too much detail, let's hear from Pauline Bremer. I spoke to her after the game. She normally, of course, plays her club football for Manchester City. Here she is on the team's winning mentality. Yeah, I mean, we're always uh, really ambitious. Um, that's what, what Germany is about, that we always want to win. We always want to be the best. And um, the past uh, has proven that um, we're, we're able to do it. We have all the facility. We have good players and young players coming up. So um, looking, looking forward to the future, we just want to improve all the time. And we have to because, um, you know, teams like England or um, France, other teams are improving as well. So we need to make sure that we're always at our top level and that we can reach our top level at the, at the major term, tournaments to be um, su- successful. I think there's something really exciting going on with Germany as well, Anita. They've got this reputation of getting the job done. They've won, is it eight European championships? Something a bit like that. Well, their, their last loss was in March yes. in the Shibli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart from, of course, their defeat to Sweden in the World Cup. You have to go back to March, la- March last year for their last defeat. They just get the job done, don't they? And I think with all the youngsters in the side, they have got to be one of the favourites for the for the European Championships unless England yeah. can step up. <laughs> and now I would 100% agree with you and I think that the thing with Germany is they have this mentality, this winning mentality, but they also have a legacy. I mean, they've got big boots to fill. You know, you've had the Birgit Princes, the Gareth Rakers, all these players come through win year after year major competitions and they know that and that's that also gives them the motivation, that gives them the ambition. They're from a winning nation that wins things. They want to prove that they can do that. And I think you're seeing a great new generation of mm. talent that are all coming through at the same time and they have a good understanding. Maybe they play the club football together, some of them. And that synergy is starting to come through and it's showing in their results. Really interesting because I know that you you spoke to Lucy Bronze after the match and we're going to hear what she had to say in a moment. But if you bear in mind this record figure at Wembley, the amount of money coming into the game, the fact that the WSL here is seen now as the Premier League where people like Sam Kerr are being linked with Chelsea. I'll give you a little side wing. She she ducks her head there, Anita, to avoid, avoid my eye contact for that one. But, you know, you've got best players in the world wanting to come here. The Lionesses had all of those huge viewing figures with the BBC during the World Cup. And I wonder if there's a little bit of all this greatness that we've been celebrating in terms of exposure slightly ebbing into... The, the brains of the players and it was interesting because this is what Lucy Bronze said Yeah, one win in six is unacceptable as well, I, I completely agree with Phil all we can do is work harder we've actually had a great week of training this week, uh, if you'd watched us train on the first day we was playing some great football, I think that's where the goal today has come from, the fact that training this week has been ex- uh, exceptional we just haven't been able to, to show it on the big stage in the game today which is, which is very disappointing but all we can do, like I said, is look towards the next game. This is a, a long vision. You know, 2021 is the goal. Uh, not winning games now is disappointing. We want to win games, but when it gets to the, the Euros, finals, and we're playing in England, that's when we hope to really pull out performances and results. So does that not speak volumes then, Anita? You know, this whole playing brilliantly in training, mm. but then not being able to transfer that onto the big, big stage. stage. Of course. 
uh, yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think we also need to be mindful that the game has grown significantly in a really short space of time. And this is very new for players in general to be ex have this level of exposure where you're on the big stage, you've got all these you know people watching you, massive audiences, all this scrutiny, and we're expecting it to be the same level as the mm. men. They've had this for like mm. 30, 40 plus years where they've dealt with it and they've learned how to overcome some of these challenges. And we're still finding out how we can better support players at this level to perform at their best and also understand and deal with the criticism, deal with how to be consistent, deal with how to compete with the best in the world. Um, so I think that is part of the challenge, the mindset, the, yeah. you know, the psyche. Also, on the opposite side, when I spoke to Pauline Bremer, she said, look, it only serves to egg a team like Germany on if they're coming to England, mm. if they're the visitors and there are 77, nearly 78,000 people in a stadium. OK, a lot of them are cheering for England. And I know Lucy mm. and Nikita uh, Paris, who, who I spoke to, said that, 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 that they could definitely hear it and mm. that it was egging mm. them on. So, too, will it do the opposition and, and the Germans love nothing more than to exhibit yeah. <laughs> um, a bit of a showpiece at our showpiece occasion. <laughs> and I, I would argue as well that this plays into the point a bit more about this weight on the shoulders feeling because Germany have been going under the radar They've been going about their business. Like we pointed out how, uh, you know, they've pretty much been undefeated for such mm. a long amount of time. Mm. But not pe many people really knew that. Yeah. And then England, they've been pitched as this team that are the new challengers to USA. They're the yeah. ones that should have been in the final of the World Cup. So they've got the opposite billing. Mm. So maybe it's to do but with we that. we have to have the product to then prove it. Talking of mentality... Nikita Paris hasn't scored a penalty in quite some time. I forget what the exact record is. In fact, I think she might be able to tell us. I had a quick chat with her after, after the game to see if this has put her off taking pens for England. I want to take more pens for England, but ultimately you've got to step back and take a holistic look. You know, I've, I've had six penalties. I've only scored three. Like, internationally, that's not good enough. You know, international level, it's elite. It's elite football. And, you know, you've got to... You've got to ultimately put the put more more goals away. Or um, obviously, if I'm if I'm taking six penalties, I need to be scoring at least five of them. And at the moment, in front on the penalty spot, I'm inconsistent. You know, and as a staff group and as an individual player, we've both got to sit down and look, really look at how can I improve. Obviously, by taking more penalties. But I'm, at this point in time, am I the right person for the job? So Anita, I think she won't be taking any pens for a while, will she? After that. Um, probably not. I mean, I was surprised to hear it. Well, in a good way as well for her to say, am I the right person for the job? Yeah. That's her being self-reflective. You know, she's had an mm. introspective look and said, you know, I'm not cutting it right now. Maybe someone else should warrant the opportunity. And, you know, Phil, maybe we'll have to look at that and see who his next be best penalty takers are. Uh, and as far as I know, he's the one who picks the penalty taker. So I don't think it's any fault of her own. You know, she stepped up. She's taken the responsibility. It, yeah. Hasn't gone her way. Yeah. And now, you know, maybe it's time for a change. Well, let's have a quick word on the other home nations who were in action over the weekend. In fact, before England, we're going back to Friday night and then we'll go on to preview England against the Czech Republic as well. So it's Albania nil, Scotland 5. Another great night for Scotland in Euro 2021 qualifying. They recorded an emphatic win against Albania in Group E. Goals coming from Emsley, Ross, Cuthbert, Godfrey, who scored on her debut. What an occasion for her. And Murray. Scotland have now scored 13 goals in their first two qualifying games without 
conceding a single one. But despite that, because you'd think, well, that means they're top of the group. Actually, Finland have played one game more, so they're actually second in the group. And next up for Shelley Kerr's side is an away trip to Cyprus in April next year. And that was the side that they beat at home last time, 8-0. Well, there was another Euro 2021 qualifier as Norway took on Northern Ireland. 6-0 to Norway this one. Not such a good Friday night then for the Northern Irish side. They are still waiting for their first Euro qualifying win. So far, Kenny Shields' side have picked up just one point from three games in Group C. Uh, It's a big one next. Northern Ireland hosts second place Wales in Belfast on Tuesday. Speaking of Tuesday, our focus, though, is on England again because they need to dust themselves off and go again. It's a trip to the Czech Republic for Phil Neville's side. So are the Lionesses, Anita, expected to win this one? Yeah, I think they are expected to win. And, you know, they really need to step it up, I think, and, and show everyone, you know, why why we why we believe in them, why we support them, why we think they're winners, why we think they can challenge the, the top teams in, in the world in major competitions. So, um you know, like you say, they've got to dust themselves off, get over it, be professionals and, and go out and get a good result. What if they don't? Again, if they don't, I mean, obviously, major questions are going to be asked because so much has been invested in this team, mm-hmm. in, in the game as, as a whole. And, you know, obviously, everyone wants to see positive outcomes or progressions. And mm-hmm. not to say that, of course, on an uphill trend, you're going to have setbacks that happens, but it's how they react to that and how they can improve. And also not, you know, we can't look stick in the past. We've got to keep moving forward. Um, by w- all accounts, we should win this one, by the way. It would be a huge result if we didn't. I was just going to ask quickly if we think that Phil Neville's job is on the line. Do we think that's a realistic thing? I don't think it's anything we can comment on with this match because it's a friendly. Yeah. And because... Yes, I mean, if you look at it, but there are, there are team changes already. We know that Steph Horton and Ellen White are both rested for this one. Alex Greenwood has that ankle problem. Jodie Taylor, a back problem. They're going to miss out. So there's going to be a few different mm. changes, which plays into Phil's hands in that regard, in the sense that he's got to make rotations. But if you do look on it from the point of view of positions, you know, fifth England now in the world rankings. They have slipped slightly. Um, Czech Republic, 28th. And you look at the majority of the Czech Republic team, hardly any of them play outside the Czech Republic. I think every single player plays locally, apart from one 19-year-old, Andrea Staskova, who moved to Juventus last year, playing with your former teammate, Enia Luko. So there's no excuses. When you look at the calibre of players, this should just be a stroll in the park. I don't think it's going to be anything that brings the hammer down on fill time at all but I do think it's just another part of of that narrative that could be going towards him eventually moving on. At least if they do win this it then allows the team to perhaps reset before the next international break because you know although the Germany result was a loss there were in the game for me having watched the Lionesses for such a long time and particularly since the World Cup there 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 were some positive points in there but you're right Anita the defence does need to be looked at it'll be interesting to see how he sets out the defence for this one and whether there's any high points in there you're listening to the offside rule WSL edition from Muddy Knees Media 
This is the Offside Rule WSL edition with me, Lindsay Hooper, Kate Borsay and Anita Asante. So enough of the international football talk. We'll now look ahead to the return of the WSL and it is a very significant weekend for the game. Match day six and it's the Women's Football Weekend. Yep, Team Offside will be at Tottenham versus Arsenal. This is our top billing mm. played at Tottenham's new stadium. First time that I would have been there. Me too. Oh, I know it's exciting. Such a shame that they didn't build that cheese room, isn't it, there? Do you remember? Well, it, it's not a shame in terms of me actually watching the match because I might have just been in the cheese room. (laughs) (laughs) So let's look at the form with this one. Tottenham, three wins, two losses. They're sixth in the table. Arsenal, second in the table. Just the one loss this season to Chelsea. I know it was a a huge result and sent Chelsea top of the table. How do you think this one will play out? Because for a newly promoted team, Tottenham have certainly surprised a few people, haven't they, Anita? Yeah, I think, you know, they had a great showing against us in the home opener and, you know, they came out with a lot of confidence and verve and I was quite surprised how quickly they had managed to gel. And I think everyone knows what a derby game is like, you know, all the energy and everything that goes behind it, the passion. I think they all those players are aware what they're going to face when they meet each other. And I I think Tottenham are going to come out guns blazing Mm. and, you know, they're going to have to obviously be on concentrating the whole game because I think Arsenal is such a good ball ball retention team and so much movement as well so they defensively need to be solid. What's impressed you about Tottenham and why do you think they've come together and done so well particularly at the start of the season? I think that probably starts with their manager. I think Karen Hill is, you know, an ex-player herself and has a lot of passion in the game. And I think she has a great way to probably motivate and get the morale in the team. Uh, I think in terms of their playing style, they actually keep the ball a lot better than I had expected. And I think they find ways to transition and get switches across the pitch and use usually their more dynamic players on the wings to try and affect their attacks. And if they're able to do that and sort of pull out, mm-hmm. you know, the Arsenal team, especially since they have wide players that sort of roam around and sometimes come inside go outside get really high they exploit that space they might find they get a lot of joy a family package for this match two adults two children 15 quid nice yeah Bargains. adults are 650 <laughs> uh, young adults so kids are three pounds 50 i'm sure that there are still tickets available for that one so um, if you're in the area do by all means pop in one of the other big ties of the weekend is a merseyside derby sees liverpool play everton uh, the first time that a wsl uh, merseyside derby has been played at anfield for this one and I almost wish, Anita, that Liverpool were on slightly more competitive form because I love the fact that this is being played at Anfield. We've been asking for it the whole season. Now it's come around. I'm, I'm sort of hoping that it's not going to be awful. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But I, I just, I just, just I just, honest. I just really want both teams to put in a really good performance. And Liverpool are on this awful trajectory downwards that just hasn't seen anything go their way yeah of course you'd want this to be a great exhibition advert for the women's game I mean what an opportunity to play at Anfield with all that history um, it's unfortunate I think at the moment that you know Liverpool are a team right now that need to bring, like, get more quality in the side I think and get them into a place where they can sort of challenge in the mid-team tables top tables maybe still a point here and there and and be more solid so yeah I also agree I mean I would love to see it be a good game. Um, somehow I feel like it might be quite a, more of a battle than, you know, mm. a scrappy type. Well, that's OK, as long as there's a little bit of class in there. And it's not like Liverpool don't have good players. 
Jess yeah. Clark's there, Melissa Law is there. We've seen some good stuff from um, Becky Jane this season. In fact, Becky Jane's given me the quote of the derby, by the way, <laughs> who says, the pitch is a carpet, so I can't wait to play on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so nice to play on that dreamy Anfield uh, surface. Lots of backing from the club on this one. Mm. I, I, I have been concerned this season about whether Liverpool have sort of hung out the women's team to dry, whether they've taken a step back. And actually, at this point, this kind of make or break point in their season, really, before the other teams really start to separate away in the table, whether Liverpool Football Club should have come in as an organisation and really looked at how to address address this they've got such a rich history mm. in the WSL yet at the moment they are really odds on to be relegated they have though um, been supporting them on social media should we have a listen to Jurgen Klopp's call to action so as you may know on the 17th of November the Liverpool FC women will take on Everton at Anfield so a massive derby game but also the first time a WSL match will have been played at the stadium kickoff is three o'clock and tickets are on sale now they are just five quid and moms and dads, you can bring the kids for free. So get there and support them and make it another great Anfield location. Well, <laughs> it's just the music in the background. <laughs> it's great to do a read, which is what he's done there. But actually, what would be greater still is if Klopp was actually there or any of the first team players were there. And the problem is this busy fixture period for Liverpool because I'm not taking anything away from them. They are absolutely flat out at the moment. Mm. It would be a huge thing to be able to turn up to this, mm. but it would be more significant than urging people to. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think all the teams have been asking for, you know, whether it be at Chelsea, Arsenal, you want the men's team to be there, support it as much as they can. Because I think obviously with their following and their profiles, it just will boost the interest even greater. I mean, it's it's great that they're taking these steps, but I agree with Kate, you know, it would have been great if this happened a, f a few years earlier when they were actually doing really yeah. well and winning the league and doing things like that to get them to a point where they would be competing with the top three, I reckon, if they had done that yeah. then. And, and that's not happened. You, I'm really interested to know how many tickets have been sold, actually, because I really, really hope that the crowds turn up for this one and that G's on both both sides. Willie Kurtz I should say that Everton fans will be turning yeah, up and actually, yeah. in droves. Yeah, Three wins, two losses, uh, wins against Birmingham, Bristol and Brighton, uh, losses to Reading and Man City. And Willie Kirk's certainly been doing a great job at Everton. We've seen players like Chloe Kelly yeah. step up and score some amazing goals. So, look, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. I would really, really like that to be a great game from both sides. Moving on to Chelsea versus Manchester United, which could have a huge say in positions in the table. Top of the table, Chelsea hosts fourth place United uh, and United have three wins on the bounce great form to come into this one but Chelsea are undefeated this far um, of course you're biased Anita <laughs> I, I mean you do look brilliant as a side but I would say there is a potential for a slip up here I mean this is going to be a massive game and I don't think any of the players on my team are going to underestimate it we've been watching keenly uh, Manchester United's progress throughout the season so far and we know they have some really exciting players in their team um, you know game changers in their team as well so I think we've got to be on it on the day and we have to be focused and stick to our game plan and, and, and hopefully it will work out in our favour but um, it's definitely going to be a close game I think You talk about the respect factor Man United, where are they in that? Right, you know, is it Arsenal? We've got to be right on our game. Man City, and then is it Man United at the moment? I'm just wondering where they fall. <laughs> Anita's, yeah, Anita's ranking. Yeah. My ranking. No, I think this game is even more important. It's usually, you know, 
when you play the Arsenal's and Man City, or people already know straight away what what kind of game this is, what the, how high the stakes are, and what we need to achieve. A game like uh, Man United is a point where we know a slip up can happen because they have the quality. So. If, if anything, we have to be more on it, mm-hmm. more focused and, and more have more desire to really be our best to get the result because we know that a team like this can hurt us. And and teams like, you know, with the quality they have, I think Casey's a great manager. I think the way she's managed to utilise this team, their strengths of this team and get the results is no coincidence. You know, they obviously have momentum and they're going to want to disrupt our momentum because we're probably seen as the favourites in this game. Just a quick one on me, just as we've got you... Come on, I mean, just a, a quick, quick one, one on you. <laughs> just a quick one from me, Anita, as we've got you here. How does Emma Hayes keep everyone happy? Because your bench is one of your highlights. You've got players like Ramona Backman coming on and creating, as a sub, big changes mm. within a game. But how does she keep all those personalities and brilliant players happy? Mm. I mean, in all honesty, I don't think she can. I, I mean, that's football. Not everyone's going to be happy. I think all the players want to play, especially the quality we have on our bench. They want to play. And I think that's what keeps this team moving forward and getting playing so well. The hunger. The hunger and yeah. desire. And, and that's why we get the training levels up because everyone is hungry. They're pushing every day in training to, to show, you know what, I deserve to start next game. Or, you know what, I had a great performance when I came in as a sub. When are you going to put me yeah. in? So that also drives the standards in our team and in our club. And the reality is, no, she doesn't keep everyone happy and she can't. She's certainly doing something right, though. She got Manager of the Month award. Um, I was on site the day that that was being presented, but I I missed Emma in person, but I could see the trophy there waiting for her. Uh, Also, we should mention, because of the other side of the coin, United, Kirsty Hansen was named Player of the Month. Mm. Um, So big win for her there. And and Casey Stoney, the, the contract that she signed, this extension now to 2022, huge news for them. Yeah, I mean, it's a great signal um, to the players and, and obviously for the club that they believe in her. They think she's going to be the one leading the forefront and taking this team forward um, to hopefully, you know, doing really well in, in the future and playing in major cup cup finals or what and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's um, a great appointment and we'll see, you know, how, how far this team can go. Well, another one of the big stadiums in action sees the Medeski host Reading versus Bristol. Reading's Jade Moore has been speaking with producer Abby ahead of this one. Reading heading back to the Madstad, not for the first time, certainly not for the first time this season. But how does it feel to be playing there, especially as part of such a big weekend for women's football? Yeah, I think it's a great time to be playing there. Uh, We've played the last couple of cup games then it's actually starting to feel a little bit like home now for once uh, which is quite nice because usually within our season we probably just play them once or twice um, there so it sometimes disrupts our rhythm a little bit but come this weekend it'll be I think it's our third game there so um, it actually feels like we've been at the Madstad more than we've been at Adams Park which is strange but it obviously helps with the advantage from our side then. So was there like was there this intention to get the team used to playing at the Madstad by playing these Conti Cup matches uh, ahead of a WSL match so that uh, you guys would get used to playing in such a big stadium? Yeah, definitely. And um, it's it's crazy because Wickham's ground's a big ground, but the Madstad's I think another four meters length on the side. So it is a completely different game when we play there, no matter who we play. And there has been obviously a little bit of grumblings for us in camp that we never really performed very well there. But I think obviously with the amount of games that we've got, we've, we can't have that as an excuse now and 
for us, we've actually got a win there, which is always a good thing to sort of dampen that. Um, and last week's performance against West Ham was a good one. So right now we're happy that we've sort of put them demons to bed on the pitch. Speaking of the match, you're playing Bristol City. They've got some great players, but they've not quite clicked yet this season. How are you going to make sure that you don't underestimate that team? Yeah, I think every game that we always go into, no matter where it is, who we're playing, home or away, we always do our research on them. We make sure that we concentrate on ourselves throughout that process, but it's always about how we're going to exploit their weaknesses. So Bristol will be no different this week. We tend to actually get some quite good performances against Bristol in the past. However, Bristol have been a really strong team, especially last season. They tended to be everyone's bogey team, so we definitely won't underestimate them, but hopefully we'll be wanting to put a performance on, but also get some three points that we need. Well, we wish you good luck against Bristol this weekend. If we can, let's um, change tact. Let's talk England because we're celebrating a record crowd at Wembley. But it is another defeat. Uh, how do you, from your position, take account for, for the current form? Is it fatigue or are there other factors at play that the, that the media aren't recognising? From my point, I really, I really don't know. I just think the results have always been a big thing with international football. And that's something that you have to concentrate on when you go away with England is... You don't always worry too much about the performances, but you have to make sure that you get results. And right now, we just don't seem to be getting the results. The performances are ad hoc. Sometimes they're good, but we don't get the, the win, or sometimes they're poor and we still don't get the win. So it's going to have to be something that's going to have to start to marry up the performance versus the result. But we're lucky that we're not having to fight a qualification round right now. And I do think that there is a bigger picture involved, that the style of play and the confidence and everything that, they're trying to install in the girls um, hopefully will come out in fruition come Japan uh, Tokyo sorry for the Olympics and obviously the even bigger picture is the 2020 Euros so we have to probably bear with them and, and keep sticking behind them and hope that the results do come That was Jade Moore Reading midfielder uh, Lindsay a couple of other games to wrap up Another one, Manchester City against West Ham. The penultimate match for us to look at. A rerun of the FA Cup final yeah. for this one. Uh, City are third. They'll be coping with their usual mass departure of players for international duty, which is something that Nick Cushing has to keep dealing with. West Ham will need to step up and perform in these big matches because they've leaked a few goals in similar sort of ties. Ellen White is being rested by England, so perhaps she can start this one? Who knows? Uh, let's look yeah. at Brighton-Birmingham as well, just to finish things off. It's the B-Derby. Uh, Brighton versus Birmingham at the Amex. Birmingham finally got their first win of the season last time out over Liverpool. But with both of these sides only scoring two goals in five matches so far, it may not be the highest scoring affair. But we're happy to be proved wrong. Always, Always. aren't we? <laughs> Always happy to be proved wrong. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for today's show. Um, Anita, you'll be at the game, I'm sure. Yes. Um, the Chelsea game at the weekend. And just a word on um, you and the rest of the season. You're in rehab at the moment, but any idea when you might be back? Yeah, I mean, the goal is to be back in the new year in January. If I get back around Christmas, that would be a bonus. But yeah, I'm kicking on and I hope to see everyone, you know, when I'm back on the pitch. Have yeah. you set a fixture in mind if I could be back for that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Um, I haven't. I just I'm sort of going by progress. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, if it happens earlier, then I'll be buzzing. So that's the goal. We wish you a speedier yes. recovery. Yeah. And that only means that you'll have to pop in and see us again soon. <laughs> a reminder as well, not to miss our Friday episode of The Offside Rule. We've got one coming out later this week. It's definitely worth a listen, if only for the Sean Dyche impressions. We did those last week, so we can't resurrect them again this week. But... Oh, can we? I don't know. It's still it's still difficult for me to top the Edith Piaf one that you did for yes. Barson Wenger. I, I thought that was brilliant. But that was many, many seasons ago. You'd have to go through the back catalogue Anita for that one. Uh, don't forget as well, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Offside Rule Pod. Yeah, and you can check out our website as well, offsiderulepodcast.com, for loads of write ups on the game. There's opinion pieces, and uh, we've uh, summed up the Lionesses' performance on there for you too. Can we urge you? Can we urge you as well, Anita, to spread the word with the, the team? Let's get some. Let's get some high-profile WSL player reviews <laughs> on iTunes. That would be great. <laughs> Give us five stars. Say that you listen as well as play. We'd love that. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining. Us. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be here. <laughs> and until next time, see you later. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And for more from the Offside Rule, head to our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. <laughs>